0: hello 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 i am your host drew and this is the low down sports show where we get the lowdown on all things basketball this show is streamed live on twitch on my channel twitch.tv backslash the drew league this channel is also partnered with gamer advantage artisan builds and canva gamer advantage is the first clinically proven lens to stop the suppression of melatonin so that you can get a better night's rest they also offer prescriptions Get yours today and use code thedrew at checkout. Artisan Builds is ready to build your next PC live on Twitch and have it shipped to you within a week. Get up to $100 off by visiting their website and using code thedrewleague at checkout. DM them to TalkSpecs and they'll optimize based on your budget. Canva makes design amazingly simple and fun. Create stunning designs with your photos and videos, even if you're not a design expert. Whether you need an Instagram story, logo maker, or birthday invitation, create all these graphic design needs and more on Canva. Today, we are going to get the lowdown from our first guest. He is a digital content manager for Kvu, site expert at Air Alamo, host of the Protect the Paint podcast, and he covers... The Bucks and more for Hoops have it. His name is Dylan Carter. What's up, Dylan? Yo,
1: what's going on? Thank you for having me on here. That was a kick ass ad read.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Long list, man. Got to get them all out there, bro. Glad to have you on, yeah, man.
1: Chase the bag, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, guys, we are here with my man Dylan today. He is one of our two guests. We don't have a three man lineup today, so. We just, we just got a two-on-one two, two on one here, and uh, Dylan, Dylan is one of my guys at Air Alamo, and we'll be talking to him a little bit about that. We got a lot to talk to Dylan about today, as well as our other guests, so guys, let, let's get started. Dylan, first thing we're going to talk about today, and of course, we're going to get to basketball here in a bit, but we want to get to know you, Dylan, the man, first. Dylan, tell us about Air Alamo, you know. I'm, I'm new to Air Alamo, obviously. For the people that don't know, hello. Uh, and tell us how you got there and why you wanted to be a part of Air Alamo.
1: Yeah, so, funny story, I didn't start off covering the Spurs for Fansided. My first experience was fa- with Fansided was through their Arizona State University athletics page. It was called uh, Devils in Detail, because they're the, the Sun Devils, so. I started off with them uh, actually as a beat reporter. I was covering the team, studied sports journalism. I graduated now, uh, so I got a sports journalism degree there at ASU, but I knew that the entire reason I went there in the first place was because I wanted to cover the NBA. That's my dream. That's my goal. That's what I'm working toward. That's what I'll always work toward. Um, And when I saw the opportunity to write for Air Alamo on sided. I figured it would be a great opportunity to get some experience, get some reps, and uh, just learn grow and um put my my knowledge and my my talent to use all the while you know i was doing stuff with school and with clubs and organizations to grow as a writer but air alamo is where i've been for three and a half years now Mm -hmm. i became the site expert in 20 september of 2018 i took over from uh this guy rob rob's great he kind of passed the torch um and it's been an incredible experience uh, we've I, I've personally overseen all of our peaks. you know, I, I've worked diligently to grow the site, make sure that we're covering things accurately. We're getting great voices out there. My favorite part of the role is to help other writers grow. Um, I, you know, I have experience as an editor, but this is also where I learned and grew that that side of my my skill set. and uh, we've had a lot of really strong, writers especially in the Spurs community come through Air Alamo and you know move on to the next stage of their career with you know more experience more skill and that's what I pride myself on man um not only grinding and making sure that I'm putting the best content out there but helping other people take steps in their own personal progressions.
0: So uh when did you graduate at ASU? <sighs>
1: the height of the pandemic May graduated right in May. In May.
0: Oh okay. yeah. So
1: I'm, I'm kind of newly graduated, although, you know, student loans don't think so, but you know, that's a different conversation. <laughs> <That's> different, <right? laughs> um, yeah. And you know, because of the current market, I had to step outside of sports. Um, you know, there's incredible people getting laid off and losing their gigs at multiple outlets. Yeah. Um, you know, the job market is pretty packed. So, I got lucky enough to get this job as the digital content manager at Cap K View local TV station in Tri Cities, Washington. I'm from Brooklyn, man. I didn't ever expect to be bouncing around like this, Phoenix and Washington and all these random places, but right. um, it's a it's a great opportunity to go get my feet wet. Uh, my girlfriend got a job there as well as a broadcast reporter, so nice. yeah, it's it's a, it's a really nice place to get started. Um, my hope is to eventually use it to pivot back into, you know, the sports landscape when the market's a little bit better for jobs.
0: Right. And, you know, you just coming out of college and getting all the experiences that you did in college doing, and this is something you've always wanted to do, you said, uh, how cool was it that, you know, ever since you've been in Air Alamo, because you've been there since 2018, like you said, how cool is it, you know, to to be with a group like fansided be a part of the fansided network and you know not only does fansided have its own app but so does air alamo how cool is that that you can just you get notifications from air alamo and from fansided just straight to your phone and that you've been the site expert there for two and a half years now
1: i love it every time i have over 800 articles published for alam air alamo every time every single one of them popped up on my phone and (laughs) You know, it's it's kind of silly, but it's like, it's cool to see your work showing up like that. Right. Um, and, and to be quite frank, most of our trip is not coming through the app anyway. But having that support right. and the foundation in, found in Fansided kind of helped me take that next step. But F- Fansided created the template and they gave us like the base tools, but it's up to the site experts and the contributors to take it to the top. And that's what I've been doing. I've been taking everything that they've positioned me for and I couldn't do that at all without the help of uh, Josh Wilson who is the the director of NBA content for Fansided. Uh, he's been an incredible mentor and uh, someone that's that, that's been great to collaborate with in taking these strides and growing our Alamo but Fansided's fantastic. I have nothing but love for Fansided. I will always have appreciation for it and um Really, I credit the opportunities that I've found through Fansided for a lot of my personal success. And it's not a route that everyone can take. I mean, it, it really is you put in the work, and no matter you know how much work you put into it is how much you're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person where when I'm doing something I love, like sports writing and covering basketball, I'll put all the man hours that I need to. I mean, it's right. so for anyone that's considering it or someone that, that you know, is... Wondering, oh, maybe do I take this step? If you can commit to it, and if you can put your heart and your soul into it, you're gonna be just fine.
0: And you've 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 actually partially kind of answered my next question, but we didn't dig really deep into it, so we we'll go ahead and bring it to the table anyway. Uh, You said you've been wanting to do this for your whole life. What led you to wanting to pursue this career? Where did your love for covering the game and loving the game come from? And uh, why did you want to do this type of work?
1: I've gone through a progression. I mean, when I was little, I I wanted to be a stand-up comedian for whatever
2: reason. Really? I loved
1: interacting with people. I loved making making people laugh is one of my favorite things in the world, but I love to entertain. I love to you know, consume various forms of entertainment, whether it be something like Twitch podcast articles, movies, TV, all, you know, it's just, it's always been part of who I am. Um, right. and I went through progression, man. I, I did fine art for a long time in high school. I went to a specialized school where I studied film. Uh, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. But ultimately what I found to be my passion was storytelling. And, sports are so much more than just the X's and O's of a game, you know, so much more than what the box score will ever tell you. Um, there are so many great stories in sports and that kind of drove my passion and my lifelong, like I've always been, my best subjects always been English. I've loved writing since I was young. Mm -hmm. So I got to a point in college where I was like, okay, the film industry is kind of toxic. I don't want to go that route. Um, I know that I love sports. I don't know what I could do in sports besides write. So as a junior in high school, I started a sports blog with a buddy of mine who also was semi-interested in it. And shout out to him because he's doing big things. He's got a a pretty good following in music now. But, um, you know, we just did it because we wanted to get our names out there. We knew that we were both passionate and driven. And, And not for nothing, I credit that for helping me get into school uh, in a sports journalism program because I saw that I was already taking initiative. Um, I feel like I'm off topic. But <laughs> remind no, me no,
0: you're right. you're on it. You're on it. This this is what we're talking about. How you got into it and why you wanted to do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, this. Okay, so beyond that, that reminds me. Um, all the while, like I've loved basket. I fell in love with basketball when I was maybe a little bit later than some people. Probably when I was like in my early teen years. Uh, I was always aware of it. I played it first. I mean, I'm I'm from Brooklyn. You play basketball with your friends after school. Uh, It's where you you congregate. So I played a lot of basketball, and my friends would be talking about this and that. And I knew players, and I knew stuff, but I didn't know that much. And when I truly started getting attached to basketball and realized that it was a passion of mine, and I started watching the NBA, I mean, you know, I knew about a bunch of the stars. I knew about LeBron. I've always loved Kobe just for, you know, all that he puts into his game and his craft. Um, but when I started really looking closer, I found that I identified the most with the Spurs because they've always had this strong, like, moral standing. They've always stuck to their code. Um, they emphasize the person over the player. They Their culture, I mean, a lot of people throw around the word culture, but no one's ever going to clash with the idea that the spurs have a finite culture and only certain dudes fit into it you can't just pick any guy off the street and have him be a perfect spur right uh and tim duncan i always played the big man Uh, you know i tim duncan is the greatest power forward of all time um the synergy between manu and tony and uh, timmy i mean it like I already loved basketball, but that's when I became, like, obsessed with it, when I started, when I fell in love with the Spurs. So that's what led me back here today to Fanside in Air Alamo. And not for nothing, I'm, you know, even though I'm pivoting out of that because of, you know, I graduated, life circumstances changed, changed inside of me. Like, that's still what drives me. So,
0: right.
1: yeah, it, it all comes back to, like, my experiences over time uh, things built up and they pushed me in this direction and finally once i grasped onto it i realized like this this is it this is what i want to do who i want to be
0: right i can i can definitely relate to that last part that once you got it you grasp onto it uh i haven't this hasn't been my thing necessarily for the longest time because you know Uh, Coming up in school, I I hated writing. Still kind of dislike writing to this day, but you know, sports writing, I'm okay with sports writing, but general writing, I was like, eh, even though like back then, and I don't know how long it's been since you had actual tax tests and stuff, like when we had, I think when I was, it was like my last year in middle school, you had a writing tax, a reading tax, and a math tax. Uh, I always thought I was better at math and that I wasn't too bad at reading, but oddly enough, my best tax test was the writing test. Yeah. Thinking back on that, that's weird. But uh, you know, coming into college, I didn't have any. I didn't think about any bit of writing. You know, basketball. I, you know, I like to talk sports. Everybody likes to talk sports with their friends. Everyone who likes sports in general does pretty much.
1: Did you go in uh, with a major?
0: Uh, I did go into college with a major, but you know, it was still kind of up in the air. I was still unsure when I went in with it. Uh, yeah. I went into college actually completely doing something different. I went into college. I went to college as a musician. I went as uh, a musician, so I got to college on a, a full ride band and academic scholarship.
1: Nice.
0: And I wasn't a music major or anything because I was like, five years to be a music major? To graduate? At least five years? No way. I'm not staying in college that long here. I've been in college longer, but. Uh, You know, I was, I was a, uh, I guess, I think it was an exercise science major at my first school and I was, I was working out like four to five days a week and, you know, trying to get the trainer thing down, you know, maybe be a personal trainer once things are done. Um, But, you know, ended up switching colleges, come over here, still not sure what I want to do, just kind of going through school, going through the motions, trying to figure life out. And then, you know, I was always talking with my buds and like, you know, I like talking sports, but. You know I, I don't have the tools to make any type of podcast or anything like you like you do bud and or like like you like to do and you know like he one of my friends pointed out his name is tyler he'll actually be on the show at some point um he pointed out you know maybe just start writing there's this blog uh, i can hook you up with my friend over here and you know, maz fans writing about the mavs and go do that thing and i was like i mean i guess i mean i'm not i'm not the biggest writing i just want to talk but i guess if it gets the foot in the door then it gets the foot in the door so I do a little bit there, and, you know, one of these days I shoot one of my stories to the direct message uh, to the DMs of the, the college newspaper of it that I'm at. And that opens the door for the things that I'm doing. I start photographing the football team, not a photographer. Got to learn that, do that, and, you know, get to experience a national championship game as a photographer and you know then i start writing basketball then i get into radio and then i start writing uh you know writing and photographing softball and then things just build it's mine's a weird and long drawn out story that took too many years to get here but we're here but you know you never know how things are going to unfold to get where you are and you know uh, i wouldn't trade the length of college uh in in, you know getting to where we are i would have you know, being at fan side and everything for for anything no matter how long it's taking. But December's coming soon, so I'm getting I'm getting enough out of here. <laughs> but uh, guys, uh we're going to take a quick break here with Dylan and we're going to come back, finish out this hour talking to him. We're going to talk some more basketball, a lot more basketball. You guys got to know Dylan. Now we're going to go get on the basketball side of Dylan. Get into his brain a bit. We're going to go back into this ad break and we'll be back here in a minute, guys. And, guys, we are back here with my man Dylan Carter. First, in the first segment, we talked to Dylan about Air Alamo, his experiences there, how long he's been there, uh, what got him into pursuing the career that he does, and why he wanted to do that type of work in general. Now we're going to get real basketball We're getting real basketball-y. I know Dylan loves that because we love us in basketball, baby. Ooh, yeah. Now, we're about to dig into anybody who's a basketball fan... You probably got Woj's notifications on, or Sam's, or both. Like us, you probably have both. If you're an addict like we are, but the off-season is going crazy right now. Lots of different moves, Dylan. We've seen it all over the place. Some good moves, some like what? What's what's going on here? And some that are just like, wow, I can't believe that person went there. And we're gonna dig into some of that right now, Uh, Dylan. Who do you think has won the NBA offseason so far, and what was your favorite move?
1: It's too early to call that. Definitely, I mean, there's a lot of time left. Uh, there's plenty of contracts that could be dealt. I think we get over this stretch of you know the mad frenzy, the floodgates have opened. We got the draft, we got the free agency period in like two, three, four days. Let's give it a week to settle down because trade discussions are not going to stop here. And to this point, it's got to be James Jones and the Phoenix Suns. Uh,
0: really? I got
1: to see them up close and personal. I covered them. Uh, it, it for, for a full semester when I was at ASU, we had a program where I got to go in and report, and it was basically an internship through school. So I got to build relationships with some of these guys, see them in person. Um, and I've known since you now that James Jones is different. I mean – He was an unprecedented hire when he came in, but he obviously knows winning basketball. He's been a part of all these great teams. I know LeBron led him to some titles, but also James Jones is a great vet for them. Uh, He's a a good vocal leader, and he's just a smart basketball mind. And Real recognized Real. He brought in Chris Paul. Chris Paul is a basketball genius who can help help manage things. Um, He's going to help booker take a little bit of the workload away he's going to make it so that booker can continue to thrive be the best version himself the biggest winner of that entire situation is deandre ayton because now he plays with arguably the best pick and roll point guard we've ever seen Uh, there there's a strong case there that chris paul is in there and if he's not he's top three four five all time oh well he's still pretty damn good i don't care how old he is he's never going to stop passing so Mm -hmm. ayton's life just got easier James Jones always goes out and gets the guys that he likes, no matter no matter what the situation is. So he went and he he snagged Jalen Smith, and I've been on the Jalen Smith hype train since we all started looking deeper at the draft when the league shut down in March. Right. Like since you know right around then, I was deep diving. I realized this is going to be the next couple months of my life, so I got to get to know these guys. Right. Jalen Smith, I mean, he's got great modern potential. Uh, I've seen comps to Serge Ibaka and. Comps are kind of dumb, but it makes sense in that he is a solid face-up four, who can play hard in the paint. He can be a primary rim protector, but when he doesn't have to be, and there's a guy like eight in there, there's serious potential. Mikael Bridges, the Jay Crowder signing was phenomenal. They got him for basically three years of the mid-level, which is right. not bad at all for a player who is very coveted in these in these playoffs.
0: Um, right, and he did good last year in the playoffs of so the Heat.
1: Absolutely. You know, they moved Kelly Oubre, and Kelly Oubre is fantastic. I think that he's going to do well with the Warriors, but I don't think that they really needed him, so they capitalized on that and managed to make something work. They're a significantly better team than they were, you know, two, three weeks ago, and I think we have to have a serious conversation about the Suns being a playoff team. I got some people saying that they're going to be a top-five seed. I don't know about that. I think it's plausible, but Chris Paul has to stay healthy. And honestly, I think they're going to manage his workload a little bit. I can't see him playing more than, like, 30 minutes a night. But right. putting Chris Paul in a system like that, uh, that up-tempo 0.5 set system, that's their run. It's .5, so they, they want the ball to either – they want you to make a decision in .5. It's a derivative of the Spurs' beautiful game or beautiful right. basketball offense from 2014. Get the ball moving. That's open. Defer to your teammates and be unselfish. It's a beautiful system they got set up. Monty Williams is an incredible coach. They, if Even if they don't go out and do something crazy this year, all of the knowledge and development that's going to go on within that team is going to help them for years to come.
0: Oh, no doubt. And completely agree about the Kelly Oubre thing, and we saw that when they were in the bubble and they went undefeated, that they clearly didn't need him, played better basketball without him. Um, and... Still agree that it is too early to call completely about who won the NBA offseason, but I agree that the, the Suns are the partial winners to me, but I really think I think that the defending champs also got pretty good too. Uh, they brought in the sixth man of the year in and, and, uh, Trez Harrell, uh, brought in the runner-up in Dennis Schroeder, and brought in Wesley Matthews. Uh, Wesley Matthews, a good wet, uh, wet vet, 3 and D guy. His jumper's uh, wet. He, right. His jumper is wet. He's, he's a good three-point sniper. Good guy. Uh, and, you know, Schroeder, is uh, whenever you get him the minutes, and especially without Rondo there now, he's going to be able to thrive and uh, be able to take over the second unit uh, if, if he doesn't start, uh, which he, he very well might, for all we know. And, you know, Trez Harrell, we saw what he can do, especially when healthy. He's going to be a big help for them. Uh, offensively, offensively, he's going to be a little bit of a defensive liability, but nothing too crazy that Anthony Davis won't be able to compensate for. Uh, but I think the Suns did make, uh, as far as like quality of team, did get much better as compared to the Lakers because the Lakers were already really good, obviously, defending champs, and they got a little better, but the Suns got a lot better. Uh, the addition of Chris Paul is significant. And like you said, and they'll make real waves if Paul is healthy. Uh, An unhealthy Paul, that's a toss-up uh, as to how they're going to float. They, they have that potential that you were talking about, and uh, but, but without Paul leading the way throughout the, the entirety of the season and managing those minutes so that he can be a viable piece in the playoffs, uh, they've got to have him around. They've got to have him around for sure. But um, NBA draft, or not draft, uh, NBA offseason, still got a lot of interesting things that could possibly take place here. Uh, so we'll we'll still be we'll be, still be at our phones waiting for those Woj and Sham notifications as they come through, and seeing what's popping with uh, with the NBA, whether it be my Spurs or our Spurs, my Mavericks, whoever. Um, uh, you know, when it comes to the basketball season, we know that the season hasn't been over that long. What's it been? A month now, maybe? You think? Yeah, I don't remember the 16. exact date of the. Six weeks?
1: I don't even know. It feels like it's been a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah, around six weeks to a month, you know, that the the NBA has been completely done, finals and everything. And here we are, a month and one day from today, we are back again playing basketball. Those teams that had deep playoff runs, tired, didn't get to do a whole bunch uh, as far as, like, resting in between times. People that made the playoffs and exited first round, they got a little bit more time. People that didn't even enter the bubble, well-rested, ready to go. People that didn't make the playoffs but still play in the bubble, still pretty rested and ready to go. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you're thinking about the starting of the season in December on the 22nd. Uh, If you think it's too soon uh, for us to start back, and if you think it's a little, you know, if we should have waited a little bit longer to start the NBA season back.
1: I don't know if this makes me a pessimist, but, you know, and i it's the first thing you got to address about the season coming back because it is the biggest factor in reshaping everything the leagues have to do over the last couple months. I don't see the pandemic ending, but, you know, anytime necessarily in the immediate future, you know, I'm not going to rule out there's talks of vaccines and all that stuff, but um, I don't think that the league can prioritize the potential of getting fans in stands over their outstanding contracts with TV networks and advertisers. So ultimately it boiled down to let's get back to some semblance of our normal schedule starting December. It's something they've always talked they've talked about for years now anyway. Um, for a lot of people, I mean, I'm on the NBA all year. I'm sure you are too, but right. I know plenty of people who say, oh, the ba- basketball season starts at Christmas on Christmas Day. Also, yeah. they make a ton of money on Christmas Day. so.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to be watching.
1: Oh, yeah. So I, I think ultimately it made sense for someone like LeBron, a veteran who is used to having this off season to work on developing new habits and adapting to the age and all that. Yeah, okay, it kind of sucks. But also these are professionals. These are people who don't just play basketball but live it. I mean, even when we don't see it and they're not on television, they're still hoping, And they're going to be right. all right to get back into action um, I'm sure there's going to be a couple injuries and people are going to say look, this, this happened they started too soon this player had a playoff run and now he's injured um, honestly, I think the injury bug can hit anywhere, anytime I'm not going to blame a shortened offseason they still got a six week break at the as of now or at the very least I think it will have been two and a half months by the time that they're actually playing though I mean, that's a long time to not be, you know. Like, imagine if you got to take a two-and-a-half-month, like, break from your work. I mean, that's, that's they're going to be vacation. okay. They're going to be okay. So, mm-hmm. especially for the paychecks that are going to hand out this offseason,
0: it'll
1: mm-hmm. be fine. Ooh. And plus, I think players recognize the importance of getting back to the game in this time frame because mm-hmm. there's so much money on the line, and whether they like it or not, it comes back to affect them before it comes back to affect affect the owners, really. Um, we're talking about generational wealth for people who felt like it wasn't attainable for most of their lives. This is their way of you know cashing in on that and making an impact on their lives. They're gonna play. They're gonna be all right. And I don't know what the league is going to do about social justice. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'll tell you what on behalf, I, I'm sure players are not prepared to say that was just a bubble thing. Like, right. This is now a part of this league, I would suspect. Yeah, um, so I'm sure they're working on details for that. But ultimately, this is a business. We're going to get back to whatever this new normal is, and players are going to be happy to be playing.
0: And speaking of injuries, this is uh, kind of a toss-in question here. Um, thoughts on the uh, the devastating news about Clay Thompson?
1: Well, I almost brought it up, to be honest, because... That's another example of uh, you can't measure when injuries are going to happen. Right. This is a guy who's been working his ass off for months and months. and I, over, Has it been over a year since we've seen Clay Thompson play basketball? Yeah, right? It has
0: been over a year, yeah. yeah, since the finals.
1: Devastating injury. It sucks so badly. And I was like waiting for the day that the Warriors, as a basketball fan, not as a journalist, the day that the Warriors dynasty would crumble and people would actually be able to win championships reasonably (laughs) but i didn't want to happen like this and certainly not to that guy i mean clay is beloved in the basketball community and i haven't seen a single person that wasn't just like heartbroken um he's so much fun to watch he just seems like a really genuine dude uh someone who we can all relate to in some ways and that's a tough, a tough thing to come back from. You know, I don't believe that we'll see the same Clay that we once did. But at the same time, you don't lose shooting. Shooting is right. always stay with you. Clay Thompson, if he could come back and stay healthy, he will be able to be an effective NBA player and have a career for you know into his late third. But right. it's pretty unprecedented for a player of his caliber to have these injuries back to back. And I got to feel for Warriors fans because they had a lot of injuries, a lot of Achilles injuries over the last couple of years. That's not one that you can just like, I'm not talking about a sprained AC joint or a bone bruise. Like this is arguably the most devastating injury that a basketball player can get. So shout out to the Warriors fans. I know it sucks. You're probably hurting. You wanted to celebrate this new stadium with clay ready to go, but trust your organization and trust the process. Um, the Warriors are going to be okay,
0: and especially you know, uh, in regards to Clay coming back from the injury, um, you said sh- you know shooting is going to always be there. He's going to be shooting all the time. He'll be able to shoot once he's able to stand again, um, and when able, he whenever he's able to get back in any type of basketball activity, he's going to be shooting. He may even still be shooting. He may have a little basketball at his at his house, shoot from the couch or something. He's always going to be able to shoot the ball, but he won't. I don't know if he'll be able to be that same defender that he always was. Because that that was, you know, as good as his shooting is, his defense is right there behind it. You know, and Klay Thompson's staple before he was known as that super significant shooter was his defense. So, um, you know, shouts out to Klay, praying for Klay on his injury and uh, hope that whenever he comes back that he's able to be a pretty solid resemblance of the Klay Thompson that we saw before. Uh, he tore his ACL and now the uh, the tearing of the Achilles. Uh, lastly, and this is probably the bigger and broader question that we can expand on, because we we're Spursy at Air Alamo, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, do the Spurs get back into the playoffs this season? Why or why not?
1: I'll tell you what. I mean, no one's talking about the Spurs right now. I've been listening to a whole bunch of podcasts. I've been, you know, catching up with everything that's going on in response to these last couple of days and how how the off season's playing out. No one's talking about the Spurs, and rightfully so, because they're not doing anything. I mean, they went out and nailed their draft picks like we would expect, but they didn't move up and they didn't move back. Um, DeRozan opted in. You know, if you look at this market, would sort have of had suitors given the contracts that guys are getting. And honestly, I think he probably could have gotten more money than he suspected he would be able to. But ultimately, it's better to re-enter next year when we have a clear picture of what the cap is looking like. uh, When we have more, uh, more teams that have available cap space as well. That's huge. So the Spurs, whether they get into the playoffs or not, will be purely based on the development of their young players. Uh, they're not going entirely all-in on the youth movement this year, but judging based on the moves they made so far, which is you know drafting Devin Vassell, who, for all intents and purposes in my mind, has a limitless ceiling and uh, a pretty solid floor as a at minimum 3-and-D guy, but he is so much more than a 3-and-D guy, and I want to make that clear. Um, Trey Jones was a nice pickup. I think they're going to let... I mean, yeah, Duke, and not for nothing, he was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year going up against some tough competition in that race, including his new teammate, Devin. So yep. that's huge. The Spurs need to get back to their defensive identity. I think it's totally plausible for them to make the playoffs if nothing else changes. I am not expecting it. Mm-hmm. I actually think that they they're more likely to... Uh, be the type, the type of team that goes out there, rolls out their lineup, showcases some of these guys, and trades them off close to the deadline. If not, they let them expire. The Spurs are looking at 2021. Whatever happens this year doesn't matter. I think the Spurs are looking ahead to 2021. They have a, a bunch of cap space, including max a max contract spot. Um, they they have a lot of solid guys under contract through then, including pretty much their entire young core. The only player that still needs a contract. Is Derek White? I expect I've projected it between like 58 and 68 over four years, which I think will be good value. That's what they've done continuously. Yacoperto nine for 27 or uh, three years, 27 million, about nine a year. The mid-level exception, that's great value. They've got pretty much a second-round rookie scale contract for a guy that's been within their system for two years now. Drew Eubanks, he's getting five million dollars in three years. Huge value for a solid contributor in the Orlando right. restart. They are paving the way for what comes next, but they're not diving right into it because next year's draft is supposed to be a lot juicier. They have mm. plenty of draft or uh, trade assets, whether it be the right. young guys, the old guys or their picks. They have all of their picks. Um yeah. there might be some discrepancy with second round picks, but even then I think it's like one pick that one second round pick that they gave up like five years ago or something like that. Um, right. I am I understand the frustration of Spurs fans who are bored. I'm bored too. I want to be covering something exciting, and I still think it's it's possible. I'm working on, you know, I think there's a couple guys that, because of the way that the draft and free agency have settled, are total trade targets for a young up-and-coming team like the Spurs. Namely, John Collins is who I want them going after hard. I don't know whether it happens or not, but guys like that who are, on the cusp of being something special that could use that extra push from strong organizational and developmental structure in San Antonio. Um, Ultimately they are keeping quiet. And that's what my, I published an article on air Alamo about today. It's been a really status quo for them. They've been quiet. They haven't done a lot more outside of taking care of their business, but I wouldn't call that settling because in a year like this, even with 10 playoff spots, I don't know if that structure continues beyond 2021, but even in a year where you can get into a playing game, it doesn't matter if you can't compete for a championship and no one knows like the, no one knows that like the Spurs. So they're going to build forward. They're going to help. I mean, DeJounte Murray should not be on a minutes restriction after. A, a full year recovered from an ACL, he'll be okay. Derek White's going to get the ball in his hands more often. Keldon Johnson will have a full year in the rotation. Lonnie Walker should have an expanded role. And I'm prepared for the Spurs to ask some of the older guys to take a little bit of a step back. I mean, it's it's been something they've done continuously throughout their history. I mean, even Manu was a star player. If Manu was starting and playing 35 minutes per night, there would be no one second second second-guessing whether he should be in the Hall of Fame or not. But right. it's part of their culture, their system, and their offense to have certain players take a step back in favor of the team and uh, just the greater good, and I expect that to be the case this year. Um, And and this could all get scrapped because they could go ahead and make some massive trade tomorrow, but you can never go out and expect that from San Antonio, even if you really hope that it's going to be the case.
0: Right. You know, San Antonio is unpredictable with what they're going to do because they're so methodical with how they put things together. And in the deeper question about San Antonio, this is digging into kind of back to the culture uh, description that you gave earlier, talking about their culture, and that, that culture is deep-rooted within Greg Popovich. Uh, Greg Popovich been a part of this for a really long time, you know, brought five championships to the organization, uh, made Hall of Famers, and just been renowned as one of the greatest coaches of all time. When his time comes up, we know that not too long ago, Tim Duncan stepped down as his assistant coach. When he jumped up as an assistant coach, people were thinking, oh, maybe Timmy's going to eventually take over the Spurs. I'm not one of those people. But since he's gone, is it without question now that when Pop's time comes, it's finally Becky Hammond time?
1: I, you know, it should be. I mean, that's, that's who I'm banking on. That's who I'm – you know, I am – Committed to as someone who has been watching this team for years, who has seen this whole process come about, the most logical and the perfect person to take over for Pop is Becky. Because all the while, ever since you know, she joined the staff following, uh, I don't remember if it was 2013 or 2014, I think it was 2014, right after they won the championship. But she's been part of this organization, she's seen Pop up close and personal. I know she's come close, and she's gotten a lot of interviews for head coaching gigs elsewhere. But ultimately, I think San Antonio is the team that should be taking that step. Um, they have prepared her for this role, and who could have possibly been called like, oh, the next, you know, the next pop, pop's next man up? I mean, Atoria Messina, Ime Udoka, Tim Duncan is not there anymore. Brett Brown is, you know, he tried and he failed. Um, Mike Budenholzer, maybe maybe but i doubt it uh ultimately becky is the next one in line i mean pop's coaching tree is ridiculous even look at steve kerr i would love for steve kerr to come coach to spurs but he's not leaving golden state right why would you exactly so ultimately i think that they're gonna do their due diligence they're gonna talk to plenty of people Mm -hmm. but it should be becky and to be honest, I know that this might sound ridiculous, but even when Pop decides to retire, I think they're gonna be okay. Because right. Pop's Pop's teachings are still there. The mm-hmm. infrastructure is still in place. It's not like Pop goes and everyone goes. And right. by the way, the guy has a cell phone. I mean, mm-hmm. when when stuff gets tough, see Buford is not gonna consult Greg Popovich, even if he's retired. He'll be like, hey, what do you think about this guy? I mean, it's it's inevitable. Duncan is still He is not an assistant coach anymore, and he will be at practices this year just shooting around and playing with guys and teaching them.
0: Absolutely.
1: So they're going to be okay, and Becky should be the next one up. Oh, yeah, we've got an update. Tristan Uh Thompson has reached an agreement with the Boston Celtics. That's a good pickup for Boston. I've been pegging Mm. Tristan Thompson as a Celtic for years. Years. I mean, they need a rebounder. They need a guy in the paint Mm. who's going to be energetic and play hard. So...
0: How much is that deal for?
1: Uh, Chris Haynes tweeted out without a number, so we'll find out. But Boston doesn't have that much money to throw around, even after the Gordon Hayward thing.
0: Right. And Tristan's probably not gonna get too much because ever since you know LeBron left, he hasn't done a whole bunch as far as being what you saw of him when he was you know peaking. I guess you could say peaking whenever LeBron was there. But uh, it's it's not gonna be anything too cheap. I think he might get you know maybe ten million a year whatever the deal is, maybe. I
1: could see him being a mid-level exception guy, but I actually think he might be a little bit better than that. Um, Right. People have looked at me like I'm crazy when I've suggested that Thompson is a good free agent target, but keep in mind he spent his entire career on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean. Right. Come on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you saw what he can do when he's got a good team and he he gets the chance out there, so he's definitely got the value. Uh, Dylan. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, my man, bringing a wealth of knowledge uh, about the NBA, telling everybody about yourself. I appreciate you coming through, getting great great talks in, and uh, breaking news here at the end about about the the signing for TT. Thank you so much, my man. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate you coming too.
1: by. Thank you so much for having me over here. It was a blast.
0: No doubt, my man. We'll have to do this again sometime soon. We're going to try and keep this going around for a long time, so we need Dylan round two. I'll be here. Let's get it. All right, guys, this is going to be the end of the first hour with Dylan. We're going to come back with our next guest here in a little bit after this ad break, and we'll be back talking some more basketball here on the Lowdown Sports Show. All right, guys, we are back here on the Lowdown Sports Show. We just got done talking to Mr. Dylan Carter about all things basketball, how he got started, why he got started, Air Alamo, and so much more. And now we are here to get the lowdown from our second guest. He does digital content for the Mavs. He also talks and writes about the Dallas Mavericks. He is Bobby Carolla. How you doing, my man, Bobby?
2: I'm good, man. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: Doing good, doing good. Of course, you know, I you know I get all the I get all the best people I can on here, and you you met the criteria.
2: Oh, well, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it.
0: You know, we're big basketball fans here. Obviously, you write for the Mavs. I stand the Mavs. <laughs> Used to write a little bit, but most likely, but mostly stand the Mavs. And you know we're just basketball fans in general. We love the game. We love the ins and outs of the game. And there's a lot of basketball going on right now, this second. We just broke. We just broke some news about a Tristan Thompson deal in the last segment. So who knows what we'll get right now? Maybe some Mavs news. That would be crazy. Mavs news. Could be. There, talking there's still Mavs. a couple
2: big names out there, man. We'll see. I mean, I I know the Mavs aren't done, but there are a couple big names out there still. So maybe something crazy will happen here in the next half hour. We'll we'll just have to see.
0: Right? And imagine breaking Mavs news with the Mavs man.
2: What are the odds <laughs> of that right there? We might beat Woj. Who knows? We, should, Who we knows? should have talked last night at like 1 in the morning when they traded for ah, Johnson and all those guys. Man,
0: that would have been fun too. Yep. That would have been fun. Especially with all the memes that came with it. I could have popped those up here on the stream. That would have been funny. <laughs> um, but before we get into the deep essence of basketball and everything that's going on literally right now, We want to get a little bit to know. We want to get to know you a bit, Bobby. Um, Tell us about your role for the Mavericks, what entails in that digital content role, and what it's like working for the Dallas Mavericks.
2: So what I do on a daily basis kind of changes all the time, really. I I was hired in 2015 full-time, and before that I did two seasons part-time. And pretty much the entire time that I've spent with the Mavs has just been doing like the new thing, whatever the new thing is. And so when I was, you know, first brought on in 2013, we were still going hard on the website. And that was kind of a a changing period in the way that basketball, sports in general, but basketball in particular was covered a lot more like film stuff. People wanted to watch like video breakdowns and, and people were getting kind of into, you know, analytics, advanced stats and all the new things that, Uh, you know, the new way that we talk about basketball, really, that was all kind of brand new at the time. So it was really fertile ground for me because I'm a huge dork. And even though I was never very good at math, I never really liked math that much in school. Um, I've always loved sports. And so the, the marriage of those two things actually kind of helped me appreciate numbers a little bit more. And so I've kind of always leaned on that side of things. Uh, and then I watched a lot of basketball growing up and, you know, played a little bit as well. And so I, I feel like I can, I, I, I see the game and, and know the game well from that perspective. And um, so it just kind of, it all worked out that way. But anyway, I started out by writing, but then, you know, in the last few years, people have pivoted more toward podcasting. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that, I mean, like you said, you used to write and maybe not as much anymore. That's kind of the direction the industry is going, right? It's a lot more video stuff, a lot more audio uh, and and less written word. And so in the last few years... At the Mavs, we've tried to get more into podcasting as well, and so I started a show with uh, Jeff skinwade Wade called Numbers on the Boards. We have a daily show that we're going to start up. Uh, we did it in the off season. We're going to fire it back up here for next season uh, pretty soon. And just uh, yeah, doing a doing a lot of doing a lot of audio, using my voice way more than uh, than my fingers these days. So I like guess it's kind of a changing job, but that's uh, that's what I do kind of on a daily basis. And then you know, there's some other random things that I do just around. Uh, the office and and you know I, I like going like into schools on career days and things like that but right oh uh, yeah that's kind of like my my primary role
0: and I do, I do still do a bit of writing but it's more on the WNBA side than it is NBA these days these uh, days I just joined Air Alamo but I still I'm still more in the in the WNBA realm than I am over here for now
2: good time um, to be getting in the wings I, I, I know right. you know that but I mean they're they, they look primed to make some noise here
0: right there's there's a little bit of a struggle going on right now because there's some things they got to fill. not only like in in the player aspect but you know they gotta they gotta fill the head coach spot again and uh as recently as yesterday they have to fill the the pr position because he just he went and found a new job uh very recently um but uh, if you'd have told me about the the podcast i'd have mentioned that in your intro we'd have had a longer (laughs) intro for bobby here
2: Oh, that's that's the part you said I talk about the math, So there you go. You got oh you got uh, okay, it counts.
0: We just didn't get specific. He still told me yeah, it yeah, counts. Yeah. It counts. It counts. And uh, getting deeper into you know the essence of Mr. Bobby, um, what what drew you to your career? You know, some people have been wanting to do this their whole lives. Some people fell into it. You know, you know, just a handful of years ago. Some people uh, just I don't know. You just find it a certain way. How did you? Get to your career, and did you ever want to do anything else?
2: Uh, always wanted to work in sports for sure, in some capacity. You know, pretty clear from the time I was, you know, like twelve, thirteen, and I had like a twelve-inch vertical. Like I was never going to be a player, and so if I was <laughs> going to make it in sports in any way, it was going to have to be, you know, through another avenue. And uh, writing was always something when I was a kid that always kind of just came just naturally easy to me. Like I said, you know, I was not very good with math. I was terrible in science, you know, any sort of like database or or math numbers based thing. I was always very bad at. But I love history and I love uh, writing and obviously I love sports. And so I was like, all right, what's a way to kind of merge all of that together? And so I was just sort of drawn to uh, journalism and, and, and the media game from a very young age. And so I initially just wanted to be a sports writer I never really wanted to do any podcasting or or anything on camera or anything like that I just wanted to write and you know cash the check and go home but then you know right around the time that I went to college is when that, that was in 2009 that was pretty much right at the same time that Tim McMahon launched the Dallas Morning News basketball blog so he did some blogging for them before he went to work for ESPN and so, you know, real-time coverage online, you know, not waiting until the next morning to file, you know, this stuff is going right. up right away, uh, and, and that sort of internet style of writing was becoming the, the new wave at the time I went to college, and so, um, you know, I, then I was like, all right, well, I don't want to be a writer, let's be a blogger, but then of course, by the time I graduated college, everybody was podcasting, and so I was like, all right, well, let's do that too. So, uh, as I've come along, I feel like I've been to, like the perfect age every step of the way, Young enough to continue being able to adapt to all the new things, but old enough to have experience in the last thing to where, you know, I, I still have a little bit of experience and, and expertise, if you want to call it that, to draw from. So i uh, been really lucky that it's kind of worked out the way it has as technology has advanced. But, uh, yeah, I mean, always, always I wanted to work in sports and there are a lot of people that want to do what we do but maybe they don't have the experience in writing, but maybe they are really good at numbers. I mean, sports teams right. have accountants, too. You know, right. sports teams have corporate salesmen. If if you if you want to be, you know, a salesperson, if, if that kind of motivates you. I mean, there's what I learned, you know, growing up, and, and especially as I began looking for jobs around the country, really, is that there are so many departments within a sports organization. There's so many people under the roof that make it all work. And so if you want to work in sports, I mean, no matter what you do, there is... Uh, there is a position for you if you're good at something and everyone is good at something so uh, yeah
0: Definitely. yeah whether it be you know writing talking if you're a graphic designer they've got a place for you you know that's that's you know where digital content can come in, in handy you know people as much as they use social media that i mean you could thrive in that role and and you could learn from the people around you if you ever want to do anything else so i mean the possibilities are endless if you want to do it um where did you go to college
2: Uh, University of Texas at Dallas in Richardson, Texas. So local guy. And I went to Louisville High School too, so I spent my whole life basically in in the DFW Metroplex.
0: Did you get to do you know, I actually, you know, I I spoke to Dylan recently and uh, he went to ASU, Arizona State University and when he was there uh, he got, there was some program they had, he didn't say what what the name of it was, but they had something set up to where, you know, people that are uh, doing journalism there could cover the Phoenix Suns, and he got to do that for an entire season. Uh, was anything like that around uh, at UT Dallas for the Mavs or uh, Texas Legends or anything like that when you were there?
2: There wasn't, actually. UTD doesn't have any type of, like, journalism school or media school at all. My degree, it it's called Emerging Media and Communication, but they mean media in the sense of, like, um, not, not like, journalism media. Like, medium, like, if you, if you want to, like, make movies... Or design right. video games, things like that. Um, you know, manage websites. Social media was a big thing, so there was no journalism department, and uh, UTD was a Division III as well. It still is now. I think they're they're eventually maybe going to move up, but at the time I was there, it was a Division III athletic program as well, and so, you know, there weren't a lot of hot shot recruits coming to town. You know, the basketball right. games didn't draw many people, so there w- there was never really an emphasis on sports at the school. And there was no journalism program. And so it's really weird that somebody like me would come from that school and work in sports because uh, it's such like a foreign concept to, to people who would go to UTD. But um, I kind of view that as like I'm fortunate to have gone to a school where sports and media wasn't a big kind of emphasis because I was able to learn about a whole bunch of other things that I'm actually putting to use at my job. So it was kind of a like a, it was like a happy accident almost that I went there.
0: Right, you made the big breakthrough coming to work for the Mavs. Now coming from UT Dallas, straight to the Dallas Mavericks. Let's go. Yep,
2: go. And uh, just got some,
0: got some news in the chat. Mavs just signed Wes, on Wudu Iwudu. If that's how you pronounce that. Uh, said underrated piece. They're killing it this off season, and that was Dylan in the chat telling me that.
2: Really? So that must have literally just happened then. Yeah. Wow, is that going to be a full contract, or is this just like a camp invite?
0: Uh, I'm not sure, but I would, I would assume camp invite.
2: Oh my God, you see the contract that, this is kind of off topic, but the contract that KCP just signed with the Lakers?
0: Oh no, what was it?
2: Three years for $40 million. Oof. Good for him. Hey, Cashed he was great in. for them in the finals. He was yeah. great for them in the finals.
0: And he, he got so much flag during the season about the things that he wasn't doing, then he just mm-hmm. he was he was a major piece back in the finals and in some of the playoffs, you know. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, A lot lot of good moves going on in the uh, the NBA off-season, but we'll get into the deeper depths of the offseason here in a little bit. We're going to actually come to a quick ad break really quick, and we're going to come back here with Bobby to talk some more basketball and get really deep into the NBA, its off-season, and everything that's been going on for the past week. So you guys hang tight. We're going to be back right here on The Lowdown. we are back here we're back on the lowdown we're here with our guest bobby uh we've been talking with bobby about how he got into his career what it's like working for the dallas mavericks where he went to school and a little bit more and now we're going to be digging into the deep depths of basketball yeah and we just got that little bit of news from uh from dylan about the signing for the mavs um and in the break bobby and i were talking a little bit about the mavs but we didn't want to didn't want to get too much of it because saving a little bit for you guys we want to give you guys a little bit a little, little taste of what we're about to talk about but uh let, let's let's get right into it let's go ahead um you know when i when i talked to dylan earlier he said that this was too close to call maybe maybe you'll be a different answer but we'll see in your mind and what you've seen over the past i think it's been about 48 hours now since the nba offseason started Who has won the NBA offseason so far in your mind? And what is the biggest non-Mavs signing?
2: I guess the winner of the offseason. I mean, it's still kind of early. You know, there's some names like, you know, if Bogdan goes to somewhere, maybe that shifts the the balance of power. But I'd say the Lakers have done really, really well. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, getting Schroeder and getting Wes Matthews to replace I mean, I know they traded Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder, but I think Wes slides into that Danny Green role within the starting right. lineup, uh, and you can bring Schroeder off the bench as a super sub, or you can just put him in the starting lineup alongside uh, LeBron, and I think it would work. And, um, I mean, those two guys alone would have made them better than they were last season, but then they get Montrez Harrell, too, and it's just like, good guy. Like, how much help <laughs> do they need, you know? And so if they do bring Schroeder off the bench you know, they have enough talent guys like Caruso and, you know, I know Avery Bradley left and Rondo left, but they could start Caruso, bring Schroeder off the bench, bring Harrell off the bench. And then your second unit is about as good as the Clippers were last year with Lou Will and Trez. And the starting lineup is better because you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And so the Lakers, to me, somehow they managed to get better a year after winning the championship, which like rarely happens. You know, most of those guys will leave, but like KCP re-upped, a lot of the guys who are free agents are re-upping, with the exception of Rondo and, and uh, Avery Bradley. So I think they've done really well. I know I'm very biased, but I think the Mavs have done very well. Uh, the teams ahead of them in the standings last year, teams like OKC, Houston, probably going to be worse. Denver lost Jeremy Grant. I know they added Jamichael uh, Green. They brought Paul Millsap back, but losing Jeremy Grant I think is a big blow to them. And so, you know, Dallas kind of has. The Clippers obviously lost Trez. Dallas could maybe slide up, like, into the top four, maybe even in the top three if things go well for them based on what they've done, if their defense takes a step forward. But, you know, you got to stay healthy. And a lot of other things have to happen between now and then. But I would say the Lakers have done really well. The Mavs have done very well. And the Hawks from the East have probably had, in my opinion, the best offseason of any East team just from all the talent they've added. I think they're easily a playoff team out there.
0: So uh, getting back to the second part of the question, uh, who was the most significant single signing? in the
2: offseason so far. That hasn't gone... Well, I guess the Mavs really haven't signed anyone, technically. But that hasn't gone on the Mavs. Um, I mean, Trez to the Lakers is really good. Uh, but but they were already the best team in the league, so I don't think that's that really counts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think the Hawks getting Gallinari is really, really big. I think that's really big. Um, I think the Bucks getting Drew Holiday could be really good if they add something else. I know that they were the Bogdanovich thing was supposed to happen. That would have been really big for them, but right. just them getting Drew Holiday was really good. But yeah, I think I'm gonna go Gallinari to the Hawks because we've seen you know over the last couple of years they've been stockpiling draft picks. They get Trey Young and Herder and Reddish and. You know DeAndre Hunter, and they still have John Collins, who's young. They trade for Clint Capella, and then they get Onyeko Okongwu, and it's like, all right, how many twenty-one-year-olds can you have on your team? Like you need <laughs> to have—they're all really great young players, but you got to have some veteran right. leadership and some experience in there. And so, getting Gallinari, getting Rondo, even though, of course, as a as a Mavs, you know, person, I know, uh, you know, I, I I'm not permitted to say good things about him, but those are two veteran guys with loads of playoff experience that can help show the kids the way. And Capella's the same way. He didn't play for them last year, but he was, you know, been to the playoffs a million times with Houston. So I think Atlanta, you know, has successfully now made the jump from like bottom dweller to playoff team. And then now it's up to their young guys, guys like Trey Young and and Cam Reddish came along really well at the end of last year. If their young guys can keep getting better, then all of a sudden they can maybe enter that discussion for like possible home court advantage team within the next couple of years.
0: One uh, one team and, I guess, individual person as well that I'm actually surprised you didn't bring up, that Dylan did bring up, uh, the Suns as far as their offseason, how their off season has gone, and They've that single s- single signing with Chris Paul. You know, I think that mm. was significant to uh, to what they're and doing. And Jay
2: Crowder too, man. That's two tough guys. Two right. tough guys.
0: Definitely. And they both had uh, pretty good playoffs. You know, we saw that Chris Paul can still do his thing, and, and Jay Crowder was a part of the long run that the Miami Heat had. Uh, we know uh, what he's like from experience, from him being on the Mavs. Of course, he probably be—you'd probably say—he's a little bit better than he was when he was in Dallas. Of course, he was pretty young, um, but I think the Suns—the Suns—made enough moves to where you know people were debating on can they actually make the playoffs. I think it's—it's it's almost set in stone as long as Chris Paul stays healthy that they are a playoff team now.
2: Um, question: Quick follow up question for you. Okay. So going into the draft, I really like Jalen Smith. Uh, you know, as like a mid-first-round pick. They took him tenth, which some people call a reach, but I still like the player. What do you think of that pick for them?
0: I think it, I think it's good. Um, you know, um, as far as what the Suns needed, they needed a bit of depth, and I think he's a he's a good enough player to be a part of that depth that they that they need uh, for the Suns. And, you know, they got rid of Rubio and things like that, but they ha- they have enough tools, and and people are coming back healthy and in their front three with C P three, Booker and Ayton is enough to, to take on a lot of the load. But I like Jalen Smith. I like Jalen Smith. Um uh he might be one of those ones that might you might could say that he went a bit a bit higher than you expected. You know, mm. kinda like kinda like Williams at four, which he went from what, around was twenty really to a four? That was yeah, such that was, a
2: that was, that was pretty surprising. That was pretty surprising.
0: <laughs> and you know, but it's it's very Chicago Bullsy of of them to, to, to... <laughs> to do something like that, kind of take a biggest gamble when they really can't afford to gamble and they need to get back yeah. into the playoffs. So yeah. that's that's the bigger question, Mark, when it comes to, to Patty Williams out there is why did the Bulls go with him when they're pretty terrible right now and they just lost a bit of their defense too with getting rid of their best defender, I would say. One well, new front office,
2: I mean, new coach, like a whole new administration there and that's their first pick. Like that's... Right? You got to have, you got to have cojones. So I respect it for sure, but we'll see. I mean, hopefully it works out. I don't, I want every draft pick to be great. I want every draft, you know, every player to have a great career. Uh, right. So hopefully it works out.
0: Right. Um, bringing down to the next question uh, it's still, we're still in the realm of basketball, obviously still talking NBA, but instead of being like super player centric, it's kind of kind of more of a league wide question and kind and, and also sitting back as a fan as well, uh, this question: What what are your thoughts on the league restarting play on December twenty second? You know, uh, originally, you know, at least a month ago, talking to Adam Silver, he was saying you know early December seemed too early, and that they were kind of targeting January first. Uh, and then and then here we are, we're doing it before Christmas. We get our Christmas games. Uh, is there any worry on your end? Uh, about about player injury, uh, you know, time of rest between, you know, when the season ended and when they're starting again. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on, on the season starting on the twenty second next month?
2: It seemed like it came together really quickly, but hopefully, you know, and and that kind of leads you to believe that, like, all right, if these guys haven't been, you know, putting in a ton of work to stay in tip top shape, then that turnaround is quick enough to where you could potentially, you know, put yourself at risk. Of suffering an injury but hopefully this kind of thing like hopefully the winds were sort of slowing or you know swirling a little bit and, and they kind of had an idea that this was coming so that guys could start getting in shape earlier right. of course for the Mavs you know it's kind of a, a non-lucky break because KP you know had the season started on MLK day or in February then he might have been ready but but that's you know just one isolated case I think most importantly you know as long as these guys have you know done the smart things this offseason especially the guys that were in the bubble and especially the players who were in the conference finals and the finals that were playing games into you know august mm-hmm. uh hopefully they've done all you know taking all the right measures and everything because i mean basketball is a huge strain on your lungs you know so you got to mm-hmm. stay in shape that way cardio but also just all the soft tissue i mean like We see it in the NFL. I mean, like, there's a lot of practices that are being canceled because COVID and and all that stuff. And there's a ton of injuries in the NFL this year. So, yeah, Yeah. and so and and now, granted, you know, there's always a lot of injuries in the NFL. But I mean, this is like superstar players going down every week and missing a long time. You you hate to see that kind of thing. And you know, basketball is such a star-driven sport that you know, I mean, we saw Golden State was bit by the injury bug last year and Brooklyn to a degree, and it kind of like ruined the whole season. Imagine if that happened to, like, five or six teams. And so the, the, the worrier in me is really worried, but also I'm confident in the players. You know, they're, they're so health-conscious now, and, you know, they, they work out all the time. So I'm hoping that they have, you know, taken steps to, to be ready for any start date so that we're not having to have, you know, really bummer conversations all throughout the year.
0: And as that basketball fan, with the with the season starting on the 22nd, a month and a day from today— How excited are you to get the Christmas games that we weren't sure that we were going to get?
2: I'm really excited, especially this year, because, like, you know, with COVID and everything, there's going to be a ton of people that aren't going to be spending it with their family. And so it gives you something, like, from a really sappy point of view, it gives you something to look forward to, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, basketball is a Christmas staple. I'm sure that there are people that aren't basketball fans that probably watch the games on Christmas with their family because you're sitting around, having a good time, you know, opening gifts or whatever, you know, eating by the fire, whatever people do. But it gives you something if if you're not able to go home, if you're not able to to visit with your family or whatever. It still gives you something to do. So, you know, the business side is definitely a big reason why they decided to start early because they want to get that Christmas slate in. But it's also just really fun, you know. And for it to be at the beginning of the year, you know, it's going to be our first time seeing, like, maybe our first time seeing Chris Paul in a Suns uniform. Uh, You know, there's going to be a lot of guys making their debuts around then. It's going to be a a lot of fun to watch. And then also from a Mavs perspective, obviously – Getting to see Luca on Christmas Day, if they are, you know, lucky enough to get a game, that would be pretty sweet too. So hopefully it all works out. But yeah, I'm I'm really really excited that they were able to get it in by Christmas.
0: I was actually about to lead into that. Do you think we're gonna see Mavs on Christmas Day? Because we it was it was a kind of debate. You know, it was on the fence how we felt about it last year, not seeing you know Luca year two on Christmas. Uh, do we think that, especially with the playoff performance, that they're gonna insert a Mavs game against? Literally, probably whoever—it really doesn't matter. Maybe, a, maybe a game against the Suns or something on Christmas Day. Do you think we're gonna see Mavs for the first time in a long time on Christmas Day?
2: I think so. Yes, and i, I would have thought so anyway, like mm-hmm. regardless. But with Clay Thompson's on—I mean, Clay got—that's re- a really, really sad injury that that Clay suffered, and and that's yeah. a brutal blow for the Warriors. But with him suffering an injury. And then with all the uncertainty going on in Houston, the, I mean, if you're scheduling games on Christmas Day, you don't want to put the Rockets in there and then have both of those guys get traded and then it just be a dud of a game. And so you know that the Mavericks are going to be good. You know that Luka will at least be playing. I mean, right. I'm, I'm assuming they'll make the playoffs, but he is a draw by himself. And then all the other teams in the West, maybe that you would be considering over the Mavs, have all kind of taken steps back in some regard. So I think the Mavs will be playing... The question is who they'll be playing against. And I've thought forever Mavs at Knicks would have been a good Christmas game because the fans are just going to be going ballistic up in New York. But uh, this year with no fans, you'd probably keep it more regional. Uh, Maybe Mavs Pelicans, like Luka versus Zion, I think would be awesome. Uh, Mavs Bucks, obviously that has all sorts of intrigue for many reasons. Uh, I think that those could be two really good games. Or Mavs Nuggets. you know, They always play really fun games, and the Nuggets were a conference finalist team. Like, I think that would be a really good one, too. Or Suns like you said. that That's a really good one, too.
0: And also, just bringing up all those, I think, you know, you know just popping in my head just now, Mavs Blazers might be interesting to watch. Damian Lillard versus Luca on Christmas. That would be fun. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, bringing it back, we've talked about the NBA offseason and what's been going on there and uh, the possibility of these Christmas games with whether you're going to see the Mavs in a Christmas game or not. Um, what are your thoughts as far as, you know, it it's, it's easy to say you know the, the people that got the top pick in the NBA draft won the draft because it was the top pick you know or somebody in the top three but what team based on uh based on who they drafted who do you think got better more immediately with strictly their picks like before any offseason addition but just their picks alone who made their team
2: better with that pick I think Miami did well by getting Precious Achua. I thought that was a really nice pick. Um, I think Minnesota, I mean, even, they obviously had the number one pick, like you said, but uh, getting Anthony Edwards, I feel like, is good for them, gives them another wing. And then also taking the shot on Jaden McDaniels later, I feel like, you know, he, he could be potentially really interesting. And, and if nothing else, he can learn from Towns. And that's, you know, there's no better kind of unicorn y big man to learn from right now than him. Um, I feel like the Mavs had a really good draft. We'll see. I mean, they got a lot of guys who I think are good value, right. uh, but we'll see you know, what happens. Um, the Grizzlies getting Desmond Bain, really annoying that they've gotten <laughs> two really good steals late in the first round. Brandon Clark last year. I feel like right. they they helped themselves quite yeah. a bit. Um, and the Wizards, you know, Denny Obdia, I'm, I'm not sure that he, that he's going to be like an all-star caliber player or anything. Maybe he will be. But getting him at nine, I felt like was really, really good value yes. uh, for the Wizards. And he, I feel like he's a really good fit with Beal, and Burtons, and then maybe Wall, or I don't know what's going to happen with John Wall, but but it gives them a really good a really good wing to go with those guys to compliment them. And then uh, finally, Halliburton, I feel like him and De'Aaron Fox are going to be really, really good together. I don't know if that means Buddy comes off the bench or if he starts and they just go really small and play really fast, but uh, I, I feel like the kinks getting Halliburton at 12 was maybe like the biggest steal of the night because in my opinion, he was probably a top five player in the draft.
0: Who do you think is the rookie of the year?
2: Ooh, that's tough. Um, maybe Obi Toppin, just because he's he's super pro ready. He's probably gonna average at least 15 points a game right off the bat. You know he's gonna get the minutes. He's a New York guy. Uh, the Knicks are probably they got to be all in on him. So I think him. Um, ordinarily you would say one of the top guys, but like Wiseman without Clay, I'm not sure that his. Numbers will be the same, you know, without, without a great shooter. And then Anthony Edwards is sharing the ball with two all-stars. And uh, LaMelo Ball might put up really good assist numbers. But unless you score a lot, I don't think you're going to be considered for an award like that. So I would say Obi Toppin might be he might be the favorite in the clubhouse right now. Or if you're looking for a real deep cut, Halliburton with the Kings. I think that he could put up really big numbers if he joins the starting lineup. So so one of those two guys. But Toppin, I, I would say, is, is the favorite. What, what do you think? What do you, I'm curious to hear your thoughts.
0: Uh, I was I was big on Toppin you know, coming into the draft, I thought that you know he had the he's got the ability to be an even higher pick than he was. He's a great player coming up from especially what he came out of high school and his development in just a couple of years, um, you know, a big big jump for him. I and mean, like you said, I, I, I feel the Knicks are all in on him as well. My uh, my actual pick was actually none of those guys. Oh um, wow! All right. all right, And especially if uh, if if Wall leaves town. I think Denny might be able to slide in and get that rookie of the year. He he would have an expanded role. It would pretty much be him him and Beal kind of running the show out there. Um, You know they they they've got a little bit to build off there. Uh, The Wizards gonna be better. Uh, And even if Wall is there, he might still be able to help Denny. You know you know I mean the passing ability that Wall has, he could still get that get the guy going a lot and you know I really people really were really uh really into Denny and you know Knicks were Knicks fans were upset that that the that, that they didn't get him and got Ob topping instead uh but they were still satisfied with Ob. but like Denny yeah, was right there ha- and you didn't so. get him
2: yeah yeah I mean that that's a tough position it's kind of like when they took Frank over Dennis but you know I think you know Toppin is he's he's just really exciting you know and and I think that that matters now this year without fans might be a little different but there's just like a certain sort of like I don't know just sex appeal to Toppin's game because he can run the floor he can dunk he's athletic he can shoot like he's just like there will be more OB Toppin highlights than there will be Denny Obdia, but Obdia's numbers might be better by the end of the year I'm with you because they're going to play fast they're going to spread the floor they're going to run 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 and shoot and so, Denny could average, you know, he could average a ton of points. He could average assists, you know, swing it over to Bertons and Beal. So, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I I like I like him as a dark horse pick for sure.
0: And uh, bringing it back to uh, Lamelo ball, I think he's got, as far as at least the top prospects, probably aside from, you know, Wiseman, because I don't think he has a shot at the Rookie of the Year, uh, the, one of the lower stocks as far as winning the Rookie of the Year, because uh you know uh Devontae Graham was on that that jump up last year and really underrated didn't even get put in the the end of the year's um you know uh most approved player conversation which you know even the people that won it said that it should have been him and you know yeah. Luca mentioned that he should have at least been in the top 3 conversation and he wasn't and uh I think I think you know Graham's going to be still you know doing his scoring portion out there and uh you know with Gordon Hayward out there he's probably He's probably going to try and get closer back to the Gordon Hayward of uh, of Utah when he when he was an All Star that one year, uh, so he, he's going to get a lot more run. Uh, they're going to do a lot more through Gordon, I think, and 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 especially like I said about uh, Graham. So I don't, I don't think there's really a whole bunch of room for Lamelo to get his scoring share in. I think he's going to have that's that was a big one. I was about to say that he was going to average more assists than he does points, but it'll be really close. He's going to I think he's going to average you know probably six to seven assists. And, you know, not be a big points guy, maybe 10 or 11 at best, but I don't think he's going to be a rookie of the year snag, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I'm with you because Hayward is going to get a lot of touches. You know, and Hayward kind of has guard skills. So they can just run their offense through him. I thought that LaMelo and Graham was a really good backcourt pair because LaMelo can guard the bigger guys, but he can play point guard, whereas Devontae's more of a shooter, but he's kind of small. So I feel like they complement each other really well. But then you bring in Hayward, and then it's like, okay – you want to start PJ Washington because he was awesome last year. Mm-hmm. So do you start Zeller at the center and then bring Miles Bridges off the bench, or do you start Miles Bridges and just go really really small? Because PJ Washington's only like six seven or something, you know. So it's right. kind of, they kind of have like a weird lineup decision to make. And of course Hayward also played power forward with Boston, kind of. Mm-hmm. So you start really small with Hayward at four and then bring PJ Washington off the bench. I don't know. It feels like they have some lineup stuff to figure out. So. I'm just un, until they kind of get like a vision. Maybe they need one more draft for Lamelo to really take off and, and kind of take mm-hmm. the keys. But uh, this year, I think uh, I, I think I'm with you. He might put up some good assist numbers, but I'd say wait until next year, or the year after, for him to really make a leap statistically.
0: Do you think that addition of Gordon Hayward and the drafting of Lamelo Ball puts the Charlotte Hornets back into the playoffs?
2: I don't. I don't. Unless, I mean, we'll see with Indiana because, I I mean, they were rumored to get in on Hayward, and since it didn't work, maybe they're going to make some other moves and, you know, kind of break things down because their payroll is really, really high right now. But if they roll it back and if everything else stays about equal with Toronto, they're going to lose some too. But I think the only team that could fall out of the East is going to be knocked off by Atlanta, and that would be Orlando. Every other team from the playoffs last year I think will go back. Um, And so – Charlotte would have to win a lot more games, uh, and of course they'd have to leapfrog Washington, who finished ahead of them last year in the standings. I think Washington could be better this year, so we'll see. But yeah, I don't think it gets them there quite yet. But you get one more draft, one more decent draft pick. Maybe they could package some of those guys and and get you know a more established player, or you know trade some of the more established players for picks and kind of accelerate the rebuild that way. So I think they're still they're kind of like one or two moves away, I think, from being a playoff team.
0: And as it stands right now, on November twenty first, twenty twenty, who is the title favorite? Lakers. Lakers, right?
2: Be... I mean, it's got to be the only answer, right?
0: Right, that's where. I mean, I I'm
2: trying to anyway. talk. Um, yeah, from the from the East. I mean, Boston. Maybe I think them getting Tristan Thompson. I think is a really good move by them. Um, so Boston, How do you Miami. Feel about the men's? kd coming back we'll see because i mean they got they have everybody right now right they still have denwiddie and lavert and all those guys and so if they keep that team together then i think they have the talent and the depth to do it to come out of the east but that's obviously assuming kd comes back and, and hopefully he's good to go and you know no setbacks or anything but missing i mean achilles is that's a serious injury so i would say that yeah the nets i think could, could be there um Coming out of the West, though, I mean, dude, like, the Clippers got worse. I think the Nuggets might have got a little worse. But, like, losing Jeremy Grant opens the door for more Michael Porter, which could be good for them, so we'll see. But and the, the Mavs got better. I feel like the Blazers got a lot better. The Suns got a lot better. So there's more, like, teams in the mid-tier. But I don't know if any of those teams, as currently constructed, are good enough to knock off a, a healthy Lakers team. So I would say it's going to be Lakers versus somebody, and the Lakers are the favorites, I think.
0: And now, finally, we're gonna be digging into our Mavsy section here. A lot of Mavs coming oh, up. Right. Here. Oh, yeah. right! Oh, It's well, here. <laughs> I knew
2: That's that right. would pump
0: him up. I've even got mine on today. Hey! And uh, lots of lots of Mavs optimism going on, especially with you know the way things ended last year, with you know the best offense in terms of offensive efficiency in league history. Uh, now bringing in more defense, losing some of that offense in, in Seth Curry, who, who shot phenomenal uh, in the playoffs, uh, especially from the deep, um, you know, sad to see him go again, but we desperately needed that, those defensive additions, um, you know, lots of potential on the Mavs, you know, whether, uh, you know, KP injury again, but uh, won't be too long before you see him coming back. Um, you know, what, what's the prediction for that? Maybe mid February, you think, before we see Chris taps and, you know, maybe immediate- earlier, I it- and uh, really, yeah, it
2: depends. Yeah, yeah, maybe. You're, I, I'm, I'm hoping sometime in January, but even still, that's a month, you know. Right. So, that's it's tough. And uh,
0: do you, before I ask, do you happen to know how long the season is going to be? How many games this season is?
2: 72. 72. 72. And they start December 22nd, and it ends, I, I think it's going to end, like, May 15th, something like that. And so, you're essentially shaving off a month of the season, well, actually, no, never mind. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be actually a little more spaced out than normal. So 72 games across then. So, yeah, I, I think same amount of back-to-backs and everything, just fewer games.
0: Okay, so uh, in thinking about who's coming back, you know, uh, we got Dwight Powell coming back, who before he got injured was playing, I, I would say, his best basketball, you know, and, um, you know, we haven't – there hasn't been anything official as far as on paper about b- bringing Willie Colley Stein back. Um, but you know that's something that we would probably want to do. I I, I definitely want to bring him back and see what he can do. Um, and then bringing back Dauphin Smith, you know he's all the all the all the main pieces of what we had last year are going to be back. So when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks, how much closer now with these additions and then possible ones being made in the next uh, days to come? How much closer are the Dallas Mavericks to being a championship contender?
2: I think they're much closer, if only because they improved defensively. So getting Josh Richardson, you know, sending out Seth, like you said, he was one of the best three-point shooters in the league last year, like 45% from three, which is just like, I mean, it's mind-blowing. But, you know, defensive rating, which is the points you allow per 100 possessions. So the Mavs last year ranked 18th in defensive rating, which is the worst among any team that finished with a winning record. So they were, like, they were the worst playoff team on defense. And, you know, offense wins games, defense wins championships. If you look at historically the championship winning team, only like one or two ever have finished outside the top 10 in defense, in defensive rating. Was One was the Lakers, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. They finished 11th. And then another one was the Cavs whenever they won it with LeBron. And they were huge, heavy underdogs, but they just, you know, they pulled it together. So generally speaking, if you don't have a top 10 defense, then you're not going to win a championship. And really if you have a bottom half defense, you're not going to the playoffs. Like I said, the Mavs are the only playoff team last year to finish in the bottom half in defense. And so it's just it's really, really hard to be that good if you're just outscoring teams consistently. And so by getting Richardson, you know, Josh Green, the moves that they made, James Johnson, you know, getting these guys in that can defend and shut guys down or at least make things tougher on the opponent, mm-hmm. I think is gonna help the Mavs a lot, even if it costs them a couple points on offense because you know it goes but defense and effort and hustle and all that stuff is a constant. You know, we saw last year when the Mavs were scoring 130 points, they were a lot of fun to watch, but whenever they were going five for 40 from three, they stood no chance to win the game because they're just not, not getting enough stops to win. So they had to upgrade on defense, and they did. So I think they're much closer there. Uh, and then also just getting more wings, too. I mean, like, you look at the West right now, as long as Harden is still in the West, you have to go through James Harden. You got to go through LeBron. I mean, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, there are all these wings that are going to be in your way. Michael Porter Jr. is soon going to probably be in that category that you have to stop. You have to be able to guard them for seven games. The Mavs last year had no answer for Kawhi. And really, their only answer to Paul George was his own struggles. You know, it's not like they were shutting him down. So uh, by getting Richardson, bringing back Finney Smith, you know, we'll see what else they do in free agency. Um you know they're giving themselves more options to guard those guys, and sometimes even if you you can't shut down the great ones, but you can just constantly keep throwing guys at them to, to just wear them down. You know over the course of a series, and so I feel like the Mavs have taken considerable steps in that direction, and hopefully it pays off for them now. But you know maybe it's a thing, it's it's a process, so you know it might not pay off this season, but I would say they're certainly closer to a championship now than they were a week ago.
0: When I was uh, when I was covering the Mavs you know, in in the bubble and like yeah just just before the bubble actually um uh, you know looking at the when we were in the playoffs against the Clippers just looking at the metrics as far as uh the numbers and like what was allowed when you know Do Finney was guarding Kawhi versus when Maxi was guarding Kawhi uh and so on and just just the, like you would think you know looking at it our best defender Do Finney Smith at the time uh is getting throttled by Kawhi and and when Maxi is out there, it looks like he's also getting throttled by Kawhi, which which he kind of was, but it, it kind of didn't seem as bad. But when you when you look at the numbers and like compared to like the the efficiency as far as shooting percentage with Kawhi or with uh, Kleber on Kawhi versus Dauphin on Kawhi, it was substantial and it was it blew my mind because I'm watching it. And I'm just like I don't see much of a difference here. Why don't you put Dophinny on Kawhi because he's our best best defender? Shouldn't that help out? But no uh maxi was holding uh at at the time when i wrote this i think he was holding kawaii to 40 percent from the field and doe finney's was like i don't know 46 47 and i was like jeez what's going on and i guess it was just the bulk of you know maxi's size versus doe finney's size and you know those things are they kind of it's it's not something that just pops out initially when you look at it you you think the easy answer is put this defender here because he's better than x and you know you need him on this best guy. But when you look at things, you know certain things like length from Maxi, size from Maxi made all the difference in guarding Kawhi. Kawhi was still Kawhi, but he wasn't as Kawhi-ish when Maxi was on him, as opposed yeah. to when Dauphine was there, or when or when Tim Hardaway was there. Uh, those those metrics that we look at make a difference, whether people like numbers or not. It it, it proves why this. This should go this way instead of just going from what we think and what we know as far as who the best defender are, best defenders are.
2: Yeah, I mean, but but that, it goes back. I mean, it's not just a numbers versus eye test thing. I mean, like the numbers are were surprising. Maxi did a pretty good job against Kawhi, but when you think about like player traits and strength and weaknesses and stuff, it does kind of make sense because Kawhi is a very physical guy, and whenever he's at his best, he's going to take you off the dribble from about twenty feet and try and get to that elbow. And then once he gets there, he can spin into you. And if you give up, then he's just gonna go right through you for the layup. And if not, then you can you can knock him off his spot and maybe force a little tough contested shot. And Maxie's one of the few big men in the NBA who are super strong, like a center should be, but also like reasonably quick, especially for a guy of his size. And so he's able to keep up with Kawhi, but he's not giving anything up. You know, Dorian is a really, really quick guy, a long defender. You know, it does a really good job against guys like James Harden and Giannis, which Giannis is a, a brute guy too, but he's slightly different from Kawhi. Anytime Kawhi was backing down Dorian, he was just able to get right through him, you know. And he does that to a lot of people, but uh, you know it was just too easy. A lot of stuff was coming right at the rim for Kawhi. Maxi was able to stretch his stretch him out a little further, 15, 18 feet, and Kawhi still great from the mid range. But even the great mid range players are worse in the mid range than they are at the rim. And so it's just little little victories like that. And Maxi's also really good against Zion, for example. But Dorian is much better. Like I said, against guys like James Harden, maybe slightly quicker guys, who rely less on just like brute muscle than they do, you know, footwork and and things like that, to where Dorian can really keep up with them. So uh, it's never a bad thing, though. And and that's why you know getting guys like Richardson and Josh Green are so valuable, in James Johnson too. All of these guys are similar in height, but they all have different. You know, body makeups, they're all different ages. They all have different uh, levels of experience. They all have, uh, they weigh different amounts, different wingspan. And so you can really kind of like mix and match your uh, your matchups that way. Like last year, the Mavs' only wings were Dorian and Justin Jackson, who were right. both 6'8", 220. You know, they're like the same exact body size. Right. But now you got a guy who's a little smaller in Richardson. you got a guy who's a little thicker in James Johnson. So all of a sudden, it's like, all right, I have a menu now. If I'm Rick Carlisle, I can really pick and choose my matchups to maximize everything.
0: And uh, one of the last questions we're gonna get to here, uh, kind of I guess a broader one and a you know more specific, nailed down one for uh, for uh, for this upcoming season. What is your prediction for the season uh, as far as the Dallas Mavericks go? Where they finish uh, in, in the standings? Uh, you know, going into playoffs, where you know what's the final result as well?
2: Okay, so assuming reasonable health for everybody, and and assuming no more Big moves, which who knows. Right. You definitely want to be top six to avoid the play-in. That's for sure. Uh, I think they have the personnel and the talent to finish top six. Um, I think that they could even finish top four if everybody's healthier and if if Luke is able to perform a little better in in the clutch. And if you can finish top four, then you really put yourself in position to go on a run in the playoffs. Um, I think for them last year, you know, just getting to the playoffs was good enough. This year. Just getting there is not good enough. You got to at least win one series. And so, if I'm saying, like, this is what I expect from this season, I expect them to make the playoffs and I expect them to be competitive in the series. And I hope, hope, hope I just hope the team was competitive enough to be in the.
0: Oh
2: uh, boy! Uh, oh boy! What just happened? I can I can see that. Am I still here?
0: Yeah, it was it was lagging hard for a second. I don't know what happened. Can
2: you hear me? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Could you hear me?
0: Oh, it's it started it started lagging a bit. I could see you again; it was going away, but now it's back. I don't know what
2: that was. Oh, okay. It looked you looked uh, a little troubled while I was talking.
0: I was so confused because like everything was good on this side, and then I thought just, maybe boom. we got. To...
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. Every now and then, my my internet here hiccups at this place I live, so I don't know if that was uh, a problem. But did, yeah, now did, it's back did you to. Hear normal. what I was saying when I was talking about uh, the season and stuff, or or do you want me to go over it again?
0: Uh, I didn't hear the end of what you were saying.
2: Oh okay. You
0: were you just talked about you expected them to make the playoffs. You expected them to uh, you know win a series.
2: To win a series, I mean that's
0: Oh my goodness! Hold on. It again.
2: That's so weird.
0: Like you were good and then you got to talking and then it's like nope. We don't oh. want to hear Bobby. But we do.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean I'm still connected. I have uh I have a signal and everything. Let me look. Let me see if I can. Okay, maybe
0: we can maybe we can try it again.
2: Yeah, let me uh
0: I've closed out whatever I could over here on this end close out. One more thing. Okay. Let's try it again. Because it's good again now. So let's see if it's playing games with me.
2: Hopefully, Alright, let me... Uh... Okay. Myself off the wifi yeah, I took my phone off Wi-Fi and I closed out all my tabs and everything. So if maybe my laptop was just getting overwhelmed.
0: Maybe. Okay. So expect playoffs and expect
2: a playoff series win, and then... Yeah, yeah, let me, uh, okay, so, okay. So, yeah, so whereas last year it was just a success to get to the playoffs, that's not going to be the case anymore. Now, I mean, the, the goalposts have moved, and even Luca himself said that right after game six. He was like, yeah, you know, this year was good because we got to the playoffs, but now it's time to win. You know, all last season was just about getting the first one out of the way, But now it's time to make progress, and so the easiest way to do that is to be a top six seed, avoid the play-ins. You're already there. The easiest way to win a series is if you have home court. Okay, so now your goal is to be top four in the West, and if you're top four, then you expect to win your playoff series. You'll be the favored team. And so I would say a success for me for this year would be top four seed and at least one series win. Um, Whether they're good enough to do that, I guess, remains to be seen because you know, Golden State will be back, kind of. Um, you know, Portland, uh, Phoenix, and I think Memphis is going to be better too. I mean, a lot of teams got better, not many teams got worse, and so it's going to be tough. But uh, right. that would be that would define a success for me this season, and and really an expectation. You play seventy two games, you're probably going to need to win like forty five of them uh, to be a top seed, maybe even more, maybe closer to fifty, which is going to be really tough to do. But if you right. can do it, then you know you can you can achieve your goal and if not then it's going to be a little frustrating and you know the clock is ticking on Lucas' rookie deal like you got you got to start showing that you can do some stuff here uh, especially going into next offseason with you know all the cap room that they'll have and everything so um you know we'll see what it happens
0: and lastly this is uh, this is kind of a deeper question but how important to you know obviously Lucas' development but you know the future of the Mavs and winning that playoff series next year how important do you think it was to get that playoff series under, under Lucas belt.
2: Really important for multiple reasons. Um, First off to show he's legit. I know Mm -hmm. he's confident, but that probably helped his confidence even more, you know, going out and having a great series against the best defenders in the world. I mean, Kawhi and Paul George are very tough. Pat Beverly is very tough and Luca beat them down, you know, for six games. So that had to give him a confidence boost and uh, the whole organization a confidence boost and really validating their choice to center everything around Luka. He's he's up to the challenge. Uh, and then also, too, is good advertising, man. That buzzer beater he had in game four. I mean, the whole basketball world saw it. And this is a team that's that's openly stating we want maximum, you know, we want stars. We want max level players to, to join us. And so whenever you have... A badass who's only twenty one, who's at the you know one of, already one of the best players in the league, uh, and he's out here schooling you know future Hall of Famer. Uh, right. like that's a really, really good at uh, sales pitch, you know to to guys. So I think it was really important on all those fronts. um but yeah, also I mean just every ounce of playoff experience you can get is big. And so it's big for Luca, it's big for KP, you know, big for the rest of these guys. and uh, hopefully they can just kind of keep building on that as we get into the future.
0: Guys, this has been Bobby Corrala, digital content. He does digital content for the Dallas Mavericks. He talks and he writes about the Mavericks, and he's got a podcast that he's going to be starting again with Mr. Jeff Skin Wade. So make sure you guys check that out. Follow him on Twitter at Bobby Corrala, and I forgot to shout out Dylan earlier. Make sure you guys follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan H Carter. Make sure you guys check both of these guys out obviously both extreme basketball heads here both know what they're talking about a wealth of knowledge from both of them great guests today bobby thank you so much for coming on i appreciate you first time i saw your face in a year and a half it's good to see you
2: <laughs> hey, whether it's me seeing you or what it's still good to see yeah, you. Now. yeah and hopefully uh, hopefully we can hang at the arena again soon hopefully everything will be good here everything under control with COVID, and, and we can get back to uh we can get back to hanging in the press box
0: Whew, i hope so man I need to get some, I need to get to double digit Mavs games instead of just a handful. Got to get got to get some more under my belt. But once again, thank you so much for coming on, man. I hope that uh, you enjoy the rest of this NBA offseason and the rest of your time. Yeah, I appreciate it, uh, man. While you're stuck at home, man.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: All right, guys. It. Guys, this has been The Lowdown Sports Show episode 2 Make sure you guys tune in. Not next week because we're gonna take the week off. We got some. We got some turkey to eat. You know what I'm talking about. Thanksgiving is coming up, so we're gonna be we're gonna be chowing down on some turkey, hanging out with family. So we'll be back again on December 5th. This has been the Lowdown Sports Show, episode two.